You don't know what I feel. My strength is in my will. <laughs> that song, um, the opening guitar with that song, I'm very confident Smashing Pumpkins ripped off for both bar flowings. Oh, it's, sure. It is definitely that riff. That dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah, I could see that. I, mean, I know that uh, they were into hair metal. Oh, yeah. Lizzie Borden was trying to make a run for it. They just didn't get as far. Black Roses was about where, how far they got. <laughs> I did zero research on any of the real music stuff in this movie because I was like, Nate's got this on lockdown. I did a little bit. There's not a ton, but there's enough that it's definitely all worth mentioning. Welcome to the Fright Zone. I'm Greg. I'm Nate. I'm Hogan. Today we're going to be digging into 1988's Black Roses. It's the tale of a small conservative town torn apart by a heavy metal band whose satanic music transforms the town's teens into bloodthirsty demons. 35-year-old teens. Yes. <laughs> They're definitely actually teenagers and not adult men and women. Yes. Uh, it's directed by John Fasano, uh, who also did Rock and Roll Nightmare, Zombie Nightmare, and The Jitters. All good flicks. He was also uh, a script doctor, I discovered, who uh, doctored a ton of scripts that he's not credited for, including Tombstone. Um, he got a producer credit for Tombstone. Oh, okay. Um, another 48 Hours. He wrote Another 48 Hours. Damn. Um, he worked on Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is the best Die Hard sequel. And I am the law. I am the law. Judge Dredd. Oh, you got, <laughs> yeah. Nate's got the over-the-top shirt on? <laughs> yeah. Um... And he also wrote the original draft of Alien 3 that didn't get made when it was supposed to take place on the uh, the wooden monk planet. Huh. Which, Did they just do that for budget's sake? Like, they didn't want to create a whole planet? or they, Well, it was going to be directed by the guy Vincent Ward, and they end up, like, firing him because he wanted to kill Ripley, and they said no, and they fired him. And there was some, like, yeah, and then when they brought Fincher, and he's like, I'm going to kill Ripley, and they're like, brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> you got it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, wow, all those movies are maybe better written than any of the movies he actually made. But yeah, right. I mean, the Jitters is pretty, pretty good though. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> um, the strange thing is, when you were over the other day, I just out of all the tapes in the basement, I randomly handed you guys the Jitters, or we said ta yeah. we talked about it briefly. It's a very strange film. A movie with uh, Chinese vampires fighting uh, gangsters is kind of yeah. Cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can work that into your movie, do you know? At some point. How's that a uh, beverage there, Hogan? I'm not going to lie. I just now realized that this ginger ale was made by Gene Simmons. Oh. Oh, huh. my gosh. <laughs> he licked the top of every bottle. Yeah. It's <clears> like <throat> the when they made the Kiss Marvel comic where like, each issue has one drop of their blood in the red ink. It's actually really, That was their story, at least. This is, yeah. this is really bad. It was actually all just <laughs> Peter Chris's blood. That's where he went. They murdered him. <laughs> For that. For the Marvel Kids <laughs> Super Special comic? Yeah. Hell yeah. For the kids. Oh, man. It's also called Money Bags. Because <laughs> <laughs> he is that. I mean, I've seen stuff as absurd as like a Kiss salsa chip bowl, oh. where it's got all their faces around the outside, and then a thing in the middle for your salsa, your queso. Then you put the chips in behind the guitars and shit, and you're just like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Like, who is this for? Uh... So, concerned he worked on all those different movies and uh, as a screenwriter, it's interesting that this film was written by his then-wife, Cindy Sorrell, um, because, I mean, he's clearly a more competent screenwriter than 
than she what is. What are you saying about Black Roses right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Black Roses. It all came we're, together we, we're doing our stars at the end, or are we doing at the beginning? Our frights. We had talked about it last time, and I think we said maybe in the front. I don't care where we do it. We Just volley back and forth. We can keep people in suspense. <laughs> I'll, I'll start. It's, you know, heavy, heavy metal horror is my favorite genre of any kind of movie. So I ha- this one is kind of an immediate four. Just for rewatchability, the soundtrack, the the monsters, the, the special effects. Um, I guess I don't need to get into why because we're going to get into why. <laughs> but there's a lot of reasons. It's just like this is... This this movie is on a shelf with Rocktober Blood, Rock and Roll Nightmare, Night Train to Terror. Uh, if I didn't say Rocktober Blood, I could say that like a few more times. Trick or Treat, hell yeah. Um, and so it's it's kind of like a special kind of movie that uh, yeah, for a brief period of four years, because I think Shock 'Em Dead came out in ninety. I love, Shock and I consider that like the end of that era. <laughs> and the originator would be like. Uh, Terror on Tour would be like the first one, and that one was like seventy-seven or eight. Uh, <laughs> I, sure, okay, I'll, I'll take my frights. So, I was going to say this is like two and a half frights for me. Um, not because I don't like the movie, but kind of to what you were just saying. I didn't make the thing. Well, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> don't hit me. Um, no, like kind of you were just saying. There's these this magical little subgenre. Of like metal or rock and roll horror films, and if we're going down that alley, I feel like I need to rate it in relation to those others. And like to me, Rocktober Blood or Trick or Treat or Ragman, number one. Like those, those are like four, four or five frights for me because they're yeah. they are the best. So like we're looking, those are at, both fives if we yeah. ever do them. Right but so <laughs> so for me, if we're gonna break it down in context to like what these are being rated against, I'd say I'd be rating them against other rock and roll or metal horror movies. And in that world, this is a two and a half for me. I'd, I mean, I'd rather watch Rock for Blair or Trick or Treat because they're the cream of the crop. Or Shock Em Dead. I love Shock Em Dead. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned before, I, I also like Not This Earth. I just like Tracy Lord and horror movies, apparently. Um, but As opposed to what? Was she uh, in some other kind of movie at some point? Uh, yeah. uh, I think she's always done horror movies. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I do like this movie. I mean, I think it's super fun. Um, but it's like, I'd rather watch some other rock and roll movies. What about you, Hogan? As we mentioned, or as I mentioned, I guess, in the first podcast that we did, I had never seen this. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. First like, time. Again, I recollect seeing the cover on the shelf. Because the 3D box? Yeah. Did you want to feel it? No. <laughs> okay. Um, but hot off, hot off of watching this twice in the last two days, uh, I think, Nate, you said <laughs> that I was going to freak out when I watched it, and... It's pretty accurate. Sweet. <laughs> Within like the first 30 seconds, I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, like so, how didn't I see this? It was exa- like ex- that opening shot of New York and then like immediately like At we're the seeing them playing on stage. Like, yeah, I was in immediately. In How Many Frights? Uh, I'd be right there with you for Wow. For sure. Like I watched it back to back, like pretty pretty much back to back, maybe an hour in between there. You know. So if we average, so you got two fours, I have a 2.5. Does that make it three? 3.5? Yeah. Don't make me math. Or 3.25. Yeah. Something in so there. So it's over. It's the first Fright Zone film that has gotten over three frights. <laughs> yeah. This is, a, this is a, an incredible episode. Because we won the majority. Hey, no, that's fair. That, <laughs> hey, that's fair. I, put up no, I put up no resistance to I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to recount. Uh, 
<laughs> you can't afford Stop a recount, the sir. Stop the rating. Um. <laughs> All right. So I guess, yeah. So I guess we already kind of kicked off. So we start off with the uh, Demon concert um, <clears throat> with the awesome, awesome effects in the opening scene. That's the, Those are the best effects in the film. I'll it's say also the, the song we hear the most off the soundtrack is also the song they're playing out of the gate, which is Lizzie Borden. Um, named their band named after the axe murder. Um, <laughs> and the song is called me against the world, which you hear no less than like five more times in the movie. Awesome. <laughs> but go on. I just wanted to get no, that. In no, there. Cause it's, is, it is sets that the stage. Is that the one I was just saying that I am for it. Yeah. yeah. Billy Corgan ripped that off. What was he, the Ferrari budget for this, by the way? Oh yeah. Big. <laughs> they had at, at least two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at least one of them actually worked. Yeah. <laughs> one of them might just been pushed into frame. I think, um, but those, those effects, I think, are the best effects in the film, uh, out of the gate there. And that whole opening scene apparently was a reshoot because they were like, there's not enough monsters in this movie. Oh, so, so they added a, that. So it's a different effects artist, which is there's why it looks better than the rest of the film. not enough monsters in this movie yeah. was the thought they had. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not enough good-looking monsters <laughs> okay. like that. But, um, no, but, I mean, they Noted. notably look better than the rest of the film. Um, and uh, it was Richard Alonzo, who uh, he worked on Mad Men. Um, he worked on... Throwing it back to the uh, last episode, the blob with K Dill. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> he knew K Dill. <laughs> he, he worked <laughs> with him. He also did effects on a movie I I love and I know you like Nate, The Boneyard. Yep, that movie rules. Yes, and he did does. effects in that. Yeah, so, and the nesting, which is a really yes. good one if you haven't seen that. Um, and then he went on to uh, work for Stan Winston and did a bunch of like big films, like he worked on Lost World and stuff. As well as so. uh, the both Deadpool movies, yes, Logan, Black Panther, Star Trek Beyond, Thor: Dark World, Avatar, and Iron Man. So he he definitely <laughs> went on to the most lucrative film. Yeah. Well, I guess I bet I bet the director made some good money, <clears throat> which with you his can script see doctoring. in the special effects. And oh, I yeah. think if you have an imagination. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm that opening scene. I mean, that's the only scene that guy worked on. Apparently, they called oh, it for reshoots and like, hey, like we need more monsters. So they brought in the big guns, but uh, which we're talking about. I mean. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> That's good to know because I didn't know that he just did that. I just well, yeah, he was part of the reshoot team. Okay. So badass opening scene. They're all monstery. They're Full rocking out. demon makeup. Oh, just incredible. And then uh, we cut to like a montage of a bunch of teenagers waking up. But you really meet them when they get to school. So it's uh, it's taking place in Mills Basin, and the uh, this rock band that we were introduced to, the Black Roses, are going out on tour for the first time or whatever. And they're going to do a, uh, a soft, week long, a soft yeah, open, soft open week long uh, residency in Mills Basin, a town that's never ever had a rock concert come through. And they roll in at sun up in their two Ferraris. Ferraris. I couldn't tell if they were Ferraris or Lamborghinis. Now they might not. be Lamborghinis. I don't know. The doors go up. Really you can tell we're all out. motorheads here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they go up, not out. And they show up with a stack of flyers that show the lead singer, Damien. Oh, looking he's a handsome super man. Super sexy. Yeah. And they start stapling him to trees <laughs> and poles all over this city that's supposedly small, even though in the background on occasion you can see it's quite larger than they're letting on. They make it sound and seem like it's Haddonfield or something. But then when they show him walking down the street later, there's like buildings in the background. So, you know. Whatever continuity is not important, but um, yeah, they they start flying for this town, and then it segues right into like a town meeting. Oh, well, they go the, they go to class. We we meet oh, all the kids right. in Mister Matt Morehouse's class, who yep. is a super cool English teacher, um, played by John Martin, 
and uh, not Tom Atkins. Even though I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna, that's what I was gonna say too. If this, th- yeah, the, if the, he would have been Tom Atkins, yeah. this movie could be one of the best movies ever fucking made. It would have upped the game. The whole movie, I was like, this is a role that Tom Atkins could have just slayed. What Instead, was he doing in '88? Hanging out, having right. a sixer in a hotel right. with some drinking trusty. some Miller. Yeah, <laughs> it's Miller time. Um, but uh, but they did get the Marlboro Man because Matt Morehouse is the Marlboro Man. Yeah. Well, the reason they weird. didn't cast him is because he would have wanted to have sex with that teenager. Yeah, that's why. But they we know did. she's actually thirty-five. Sure. So it would have been totally legal. Um, the besides him being uh the Marlboro Man, I mean, he just was like on a lot of one-off uh soap opera episodes and crap. But he uh. He was in Night Game with uh, Rob Schneider. Not Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. <laughs> I want to see a remake of Night Game with Rob Schneider. <laughs> no, with Roy Schneider. You can do it <laughs> in the Night Game. It's like that baseball thriller movie. I have it. I've never seen it. I, I pulled it out to watch it a couple of times. I mean, now that you know Matt Morehouse is I'll in watch it. it. <laughs> it's already sitting by the TV. Is it really? Well, yeah. Because I, you know, when I when I did my homework, I was like, oh, Night Game. He's in that. Like, it's got Rob Schneider too, so it's <laughs> it is. Itself. It's pretty wild. He's the Marlboro Man. Yeah, I didn't like find that anywhere. And the print, print or print. Ads. Okay, I didn't know if it was print or commercial. Like that's TV. It's kind of crazy though. Like the Marlboro yeah. Man. I definitely looked at a lot of those ads inside Rolling Stone and shit when I was a kid. But they could have had the Miller Man, Tom Atkins, or they should have. I love that we were all thinking that. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, well, then after that, we got Johnny, played by Frank Dietz. Who was in uh, Zombie Nightmare and Rock and Roll Nightmare. And is 46 years old. In that movie? In the movie. <laughs> he is? Yes. Oh, damn. I Johnny. was guessing 35 he, to 38. That actor uh, that plays him was 42 at the time. Oh. He was 10 years older than Mr. Morehouse. <laughs> oh, wow. I, well, I guess yeah. smoking all those Marlboros definitely <laughs> aged Mr. Morehouse a bit. See, I just wrote down 35-year-old metalhead. Everyone loves heavy metal, yet he's the only metalhead. <laughs> but then they're all just like, yeah, man, you can't keep us from loving our black, black roses or whatever. So he was just in that movie because he was just, uh, he's like a childhood friend of the director. So that's why he's in all Back those movies. Back in the 40s? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they went to camp so long ago that Jesus Christ was the <laughs> fucking camp counselor. Uh, but he went on to work as a Disney animator. So that's kind of interesting. Nice. Huh. Uh, who who else is in the class? The, the thing about this movie that's kind of weird is, like, they introduce, like, four kids in that class, basically. Then once you get into the third act movie, there's so many other kids that you haven't been introduced to at all. Yeah. Like, who, it gets who a little confusing, these? honestly. Um, whoops. <laughs> what was that bell for? <laughs> Did it Confusion bell. <laughs> Crazy. Um, <laughs> um, so you meet Julie. Uh played by Karen Plandon. Not that it matters because she's not in anything else. Uh, this is the only movie she did. I think. I think so. She has the hots for Mr. Morehouse because he's a sexy Marlboro man of a teacher. And uh, she has a troubled home life and she hates her stepdad. And three different people play her breasts in the movie. Really? <laughs> they did look different. Not that I was really looking. <laughs> that mole moved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, can, I know which one it definitely changed for <laughs> but wait was she supposed to be the one that cr- that climbed through the window I, and had I, sex with johnny i thought like it was supposed to be her but i guess it could have been the bass player in the black roses right too. I yeah i thought I, it was just supposed to be someone sent to him to like demonize yeah. and weaponize yeah. him because that's kind of what happens is they get weaponized <laughs> we gotta weaponize these demons <laughs> by demonifying them that's a word 
And I love the, the part modifier. where they're, they're walking down the street. You said something about her having the hots where, like, basically Johnny says to her, like, everyone knows you and Mr. Morehouse are fucking or, you know, like, <laughs> it's like it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then she chases him like, oh, everyone knows that. So funny. The then the fourth kid we meet uh, is Tony. Tony Bua, a.k.a. Tony Ames, and he's only in three movies, Zombie Nightmare, Black Roses, and The Jitters, but he's in those movies because he is the effects guy. The other crappy effects movie are Tony's. Oh, okay. Um, they're not crappy. <laughs> you say something? No, they're they're good crappy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, there's no shame low in budget. enjoying some, some low, yeah. Um, especially in comparison to that opening scene. I mean, come on, that opening scene is gold. You're like, whoa, this is amazing, these effects. It, yeah, it's like, um, why didn't the singer look like that later? And now I know. Yeah. Why do you turn to a Toho monster? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very <laughs> limited mobility. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is great. Uh, Unless you're fighting not Tom Atkins, apparently. Yes. And he and he did, uh, although he's not in Rock and Roll Nightmare, he did the effects for Rock and Roll Nightmare as well. So... That those are really the four cast members, really. I mean, there's other people as we go, but like they're the four like main Morehouse, um, uh, Johnny, Julie, and Tony. The credits are really short at the end. (laughs) It's really just like a classroom of kids and a room full of parents that bitch, and that's the entire cast of the film. I'm not gonna lie, the credits are one of my favorite parts of this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I like the opening credits. Um, when we're talking about the cars moving through, I love that there's like the black roses on the ground, right. As but then Black in. Roses appears up top, and the cars drive underneath the Black Roses. I was like, well, that's a big budget little opening credit yeah. sequence there. It's, um, like, oh, it's actually animation. Yeah. Really. Uh, yeah, so after that, though, is when we get to that cool town hall you're mentioning. Yes, and the reason I was Shades in Gore. such a hurry to get to that is there's the, the main host, Mrs. Reads, Miller. Mrs. Miller. You sound like an old Mrs. Miller. Um, <laughs> is she reads some lyrics out of the band's um, record? Are you going to read them to us yes. right now? <laughs> this is after she calls them disciples of the devil and says, "Let me read to you this." She says, "Tear down the walls of hell, make room for lust to dwell. Carry in your hands a sword, tear away the image of the Lord." <gasps> and everyone is uproared by this, and she's like, "There's more." <laughs> pull down society only then can we be free in the world alone to roam destroy your happy home <laughs> you guys aren't terrified by this nope but that was that's her selling point as to why the they're having this meeting with the mayor apparently the mayor goes to this meeting to try to get him to stop the concerts that have already been booked at the school, because yeah. that's where you hold heavy metal concerts, is at a school. I love that uh, the mayor's like, rock and roll, rock and roll's awesome. You remember <laughs> yeah. we're all freaked out by the Beatles? Let's don't re- forget the Little Beatles. Richard? Yeah. yeah. Um, Elvis? Remember but, uh, when your son used to have long hair and they ran him out of town? <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious, like, right? Like, he tried to grow long hair like Ringo Starr. Uh, so ran him out of town on a rail. That <laughs> So Mrs. Miller, that Nancy Reagan-looking lady... She is played by Julie Adams, the lead from Creature from the Black Lagoon. No shit. Yeah. That's a fun fun little factoid. Yeah. Um, and I guess the director... <laughs> that to- the, the Toho monster that we'll get to, he, uh, he kept trying to get her to take a picture with that. Like, come on, can you do a pose just like the creature? And she's like, no, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, no thanks. Not <laughs> in my good. contract. Uh. 
uh, I know you you love the whole like satanic panic. Um, like you have kind of a fascination with that. Yeah, uh, it's one of my like, favorite genres of history. Yes, uh, <laughs> historical genre. <laughs> yeah, is the satanic panic because um, it's it, it's happened more than once. Um, you know, sometimes with more dire consequences than yeah. at other times, but. I have a training video that I picked up a couple weeks ago, Nate, that you should watch. It's for uh, police departments and how to how to handle yes, like, I kids that they pick up on the street. Nice. It's pretty great. I would love to see that. But I thought this scene, I mean, the whole movie, well, I guess really this whole, the whole like subgenre of like, you know, metal rock and roll horror. It's all very much the result of the satanic panic of the 80s. But I mean, this this town hall that they kind of kicked this film off with after the obligatory introduction of the cast in the classroom, um, it really, it really hones in on the whole satanic panic thing. And like the shades of Tipper Gore, like Mrs. Miller's definitely like a Tipper Gore type character and stuff, you know? Um, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, but yeah, trick or treat, as you mentioned, being the top tier of all this. Oh, it is. definitely has that whole thing with the like back masking of the messages on the records that oh, yeah. possess people to do things in the, shit coming out of the actual stereo. Like, oh, yeah. That's how Christians imagined metal records. We get a little bit of that in this, too. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, after that scene, the, uh, what you're talking about, where they're outside and uh, Johnny's telling you know Julie, like, yeah, y'all, you're banging Mr. Morehouse or whatever he says. Yeah, I wrote, he gives me anxiety just the way he walks down the street. Because <laughs> he's all like frantically like jumping up on things, spinning around, talking real fast, <laughs> accusing her of wanting to fuck the teacher and or actually fucking. And then out of nowhere, he's just like, I'm going to paint the town red. That's what I'm going to do. You know, I said it. I'm going to actually do it. And he's like trying to break into a paint store. It's like, dude, just get away from this loser. <laughs> that, yeah, that was super weird because like, then they, when that scene's done, Mr. Morehouse is just suddenly wandering the streets, too, and he, like, finds that can of paint. He was window shopping. He was either <laughs> window shopping for a ceramic cat plate. <laughs> or, I'm so glad you wrote that down because I almost did. Or a model car. Those were the two things in the window. Yeah. And he was really looking. So, unless there was something below the cat plate. <laughs> above the model car that I couldn't see. That's what he was trying to decide if he wanted to It was to like a handwritten price tag. He couldn't read it. I mean, yeah. he was, man, he was nose to glass. I want that. it, but can I afford it? <laughs> yeah. Well, then he gets a he gets a glimpse of presumably Damien, right? Mr. Morales is like, like just hang out in the street, and there's like that. He sees a giant figure. cloud of yeah. smoke. Yeah. And like, you know, beautiful long-haired man just comes strolling yeah. through, and he's like, huh? And then he just vanishes. There was a decent fog budget. For sure, <laughs> and then that paint, the can of red paint that apparently the, the from, half used. Apparently, there's some deleted scene of him actually painting the town red. The can of red paint just bursts into flames. Yeah, I saw some paint on the ground. I did. Did I miss something? I was eating apple jacks. It was a big bowl. <laughs> I might have looked down for a few scoops in a row. Um, you didn't. So, I don't think didn't I miss missed anything. anything. You didn't. No, like the movie has a lot of stuff like that where I feel like I'm. There's like tons of scenes just cut out. Like, what's going on here? I mean, granted, the movie doesn't need to be longer. So, I mean, I don't disagree with trimming stuff. But well, there, the teacher there's a lot was, of weird stuff like that. Like, I, well, and a lot of these, like a lot of these movies, are some really bad edits. But there's some like specifically bad edits in this. movie. Oh yeah. You know, where like it cuts somebody off like mid sentence and then completely jumps somewhere else. I noticed that. Which is, again, why I was shocked by your guys' four frights. I was so <laughs> taken aback. 
And then it's like, if he's going to forgive and forget the fact that he thinks that it's them that he saw in the parking lot anyway, like, why can't he have painted some? I mean, they paid for the red paint, like, yeah. you know. <laughs> you could, or you could have had, like, one shot of him painting, and then he's like, oh, shit, it's Mr. Morehouse. And he runs off, and then Morehouse comes up like, yeah, yeah where'd you, they go? You couldn't so, hear that on the podcast, but I gestured like I was uh, Mr. Shame, Morehouse, shame. and I wiggled my fingers to say, no, no, Johnny. Shame, shame. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Which is better than the cock-sucking hand gesture that she receives later when she goes up to talk to Johnny oh, from in the hallway. So right when they get back oh, to yeah. school. Yeah, yeah, Tony. And he just like does that real quick. He's like, what the hell? Classic <laughs> like, Tony Bua. A cash cock-sucking gesture. So after Mr. Morehouse sees Damien emerge from the smoke, then we cut to another school scene. There's This movie's structure is nighttime scene, classroom scene, nighttime scene. Classroom scene, nighttime scene, classroom scene. That's inside someone's crummy house, inside a crummy bedroom. More classroom. Guy reading a newspaper. (laughs) But we get another school scene, and I think it's them just talking about, like, how excited they are. They're going to see the Black Roses tonight and blah, blah, blah. And Mr. Morales does his whole, like, all right. Like class, let's let's rap. And they all get in their little circle and forum forum. Yeah. And it, they do a progressive like where the, you know, they're kind of hip to him at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And they 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 dig on the fact that he's rapping casual about some shit that they can understand. <laughs> well, I think he even tells him to call him Matt. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the only reason I think I knew his name was Matt. Like, I'm so, like, cool. Call me Matt. Um, he admittedly, I mean, I had worse. Teachers even though his girlfriend <laughs> thinks that he's teaching retarded rednecks the alphabet. <laughs> or is it, I thought it was his ex-girlfriend, yeah. Well, at that point, she says that, and then I think they break up. That scene is incredible, by the way. It's also the daughter of the mayor. a problem with her. Priscilla was not cool. She's no, barely in it, too. Sucks. Yeah. Well, that's why I didn't listen to her. Like the My main notes of Priscilla like, are, Priscilla sucks. Yeah, that's written down. I wrote something. What did I write about Priscilla? Well, she's Lou Frigno's wife. Oh, really? Is she really? Yeah. <laughs> Carla Fr- Frigno, dude. <laughs> I didn't look up the actress's name. She talks shit behind his back all the time. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Let's see. Do you remember the time Arnold made Lou Frigno cry <laughs> in Pumping Iron? <laughs> I don't. He goes to Lou's gym and he like intimidates him. I've seen it once. It's been. Oh, uh, I don't know how man. Long. No, because like that's like Arnold's number one threat in the movie, and like uh, he goes like lose home turf, like his gym, and just like lifting weights just to intimidate him to psych him out. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna watch it again. Governor. Uh, so yeah, so after that class though, we get night one of the concerts. So all the parents in this are in the back few rows <clears throat> of the concert, like the last like two rows, and they stay for what like. 45 seconds of the first song like i guess this isn't too bad they yeah which they open (laughs) with just like this kind of fruity song to psych out the parents to make them think that they're just like a kind of a hair metal love ballad band yeah they're all wearing they're all wearing like white trench coats and yeah looking just like regular citizens but with good hair (laughs) except for the drummer who looks kind of like a a John fat, Bonham? Yeah, or a fat Tony Iommi. Was <laughs> yeah. That's Carmine, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which he comes up a few times where he's in, in a shot, and I could not laugh when he was in the shot. There's a part where he's holding somebody and keeping them there, and I don't want to give away later part of the movie. And it's just like, he's all I could think about was his face and his oh, mustache. Yeah. He's like, I'm really in this fucking movie. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, 
that lady though, the the Tipper Gore lady, I'm surprised how like Mrs. Miller. Yeah, Ellen <laughs> yeah, how quickly she just like is not concerned anymore at all, even though she's like Well, she has to get up in the morning. The <laughs> yeah, mayor's she... like, Don't you have to get up in the morning? I yeah. know I do. But I feel like she's also okay, like she's gonna join them for a drink as well when they leave. Right. That is, yeah. <laughs> That's what parents did. But I love they watch like not even a half, not even a full song, not even a half song. They're like, that's okay. I see no harm here. Let's all get out of here. (laughs) Then Damien throws Julie a black rose. The first little, you know, nod. Mm. And then the lights go out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to sound effect of that. Lights go out. Bam. And when they come back, they are clad in leather and ready to just let it all hang out. Mm. Ready to entrance some teens with some... Uh, Ready ra- to weaponize some teens. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the first time we hear the song Soldiers of the Night? Or is I, that Soldiers later? Soldiers of the Night's one is... That's is later. The, is, uh, I think, the next night. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, I you're made right. a note. The band plays Soldiers of the Night. Uh, you're right. They have to build up to that. It's yeah, too heavy we said, Yeah, we, don't, we, don't, we can't get too spooky yet. They already showed us the best special effects of the film in the first 30 seconds, so gotta we have to something. save something. <laughs> uh, well, then the next we get the next day. I've, you've left out the leopard print cod piece. That is important. Oh! Damien has like a leather, it's kind of like, like two strap. outfit with X, a leather strap. Yeah, off. and then it's got this little leopard cod piece going. What is that, and what is that song, though? It's not Soldiers of the Night. I don't think that's it's me against the world. In, it's Rock Invasion. Yes. It is. So I played that next to Lenny Kravitz's Are You Gonna Go My Way? <laughs> and that, they totally, or well, not they, but he stole that, like, fucking riff. I swear to God. This is the most it's stolen the, album We're found that all, all time. these 90s rock guys just it's stole from same. Black Roses. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I mean, I guess I could. If you were Billy Corgan. <laughs> or Lenny Kravitz. Or yeah. Lenny Kravitz. I mean, or Billy Kravitz, <laughs> both of their unwanted Lenny Corgan adopted brothers. Um, but then we get more school. And we get that fight outside. Well, first, even the very next morning, they seem a little brainwashed. They're not remembering. He's trying to talk to them about. Uh, is it Walt Whitman that he's yeah, talking Whitman. to them about? So they're talking and they're like, who? What? <laughs> And you can't tell if they're just brain dead, stupid, or possessed. And then um, they're they're like, uh, and at the end of class, Mr. Morehouse asks Julie, probably Julie. Yeah, she's like, oh, like so, you're gonna get good sleep tonight, right? And uh, she's like, no, I'm going to the concert again. He's like, what are you rich? <laughs> uh, I mean, how much can the the tickets for the concert at the school she's currently in cost yeah. five bucks eight and bucks she's like they gave us all tickets free tickets every night then it cuts to them handing out free records in the parking lot <laughs> it just look like a, a black on black record yeah a guy in a uh, iron maiden power slave shirt yeah. gets knocked the <laughs> fuck out and then the tony <laughs> comes it was probably iron, iron maiden versus black roses <laughs> Yeah, Tony dukes it out, dude. He hurls a person <laughs> over two people onto what I assume is just concrete. You think just break the dude's neck? It would kill. It could kill somebody. Maybe it did. We don't know. He just disappeared, <laughs> and they never went back to it. So then the teacher, Mr. Morehouse, goes to have a conversation 
with Damien at the <laughs> mayor's request because they talk. This is by far one of my favorite parts in the movie because Mr. Morehouse and Damien are now just casually having glasses of milk. milk. It's milk. <laughs> yeah. It has and to he be. looks so straight laced. It's like he has like short hair. He's like, oh, the long hair is just like a wig. I think a lot of those dudes back in the hair metal days did wear wigs, yeah. and we were just oh, kind of like, you were didn't say, know. Did drink milk? Oh well, yeah, but that fucking <laughs> if it had vodka in it. <laughs> I but, love. He's like, he's like, you know, it's just a great place to try all of our songs, sipping on milk. It's like know? a crummy little diner glass with <laughs> milk in it, and it's like we don't see him pour the milk. So does he have the milk pre-poured waiting for a guest <laughs> the di- in case someone comes by? You say about by. the diner glass, it's true. They're like, would you like the small or the large? Yeah, it's, it's definitely the small, the small yeah. shitty one they it's give like you five bucks. The anyway. plastic cup. Yeah. And his shirt's tucked in. Yeah, he's super straight lace. And and then Julie shows up, right? And and Mr. Morehouse is like, well, Julie, what are you doing here? And she's like, I could ask you the same thing. Or something yeah. weird like that. And I feel like Damien says something that's kind of weird, like, like yeah, he does. you'd be he great, says, you could join us or Yeah, something. he says, I've known your soul a long, long time. time. <laughs> yeah, and then he is pretty good at doing, like, everything sort of normal, but then the final glance before he leaves the room it was the same when he was <laughs> leaving the first concert. Mr. Morehouse was the one hanger back that was kind of, like, keeping his head hanging in the door, looking at the band, <laughs> and Damien gave him sort of a look. yeah. You know, alluding to something, but then he left anyway. Which, is that, like, supposed to be, like, a throwback to the beginning? Because that's what happens at the beginning, too. There's, like, the dude peering through He's the looking windows. in the window, and the guys walk up to him, and they say, Are you insane, man? <laughs> and he just looks a little confused when they mm-hmm. ask him that, but they're acting like he's a completely crazed person. Yeah. And then they just, like, kind of hit him a few times and drag him <laughs> out of there. When really, yeah, he was just kind of, like, peering in the window. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I guess so. Maybe each town and city that Black Roses goes to has like one adult that either helps them or hurts them. So, we're, I mean, but that scene, we're supposed to believe that like, yes, he can. I don't know. He knows something because he knows his soul for a long time. But then he also like implies that he knows that Mr. Morehouse has been nailing Priscilla. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yes. That then, sounds right. Uh, after that scene. <laughs> We get well. That's when we first hear "Soldiers of the Night," and "Soldiers of the Night." Is well, after that, no, after that scene, we go to Tony listening to the record at his house. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. We're not that's... back to the second concert yet. No. That, oh man, and the scene of Tony listening to the record at the house is—that's maybe like the second best scene in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. He's just jamming it, and uh, Big Pussy from Sopranos comes in. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "What the fuck's that earring in your ear?" You know, like, that's not yeah. what he says. I don't see any ships in the driveway. <laughs> He there's says, only... there's only two kinds of men that wear <laughs> earrings. <laughs> Pirates and expletive. And I don't see, or I don't see no ship in our driveway. <laughs> I didn't want to say the word that he says, but if we're doing quotes, that is my favorite quote from the whole movie. It's just that. Because he delivers it in a very, like, you buy it way. Well, this is and this is his screen. It's his first film. Is it really? It's his first film. So he's apparently, the, he was discovered. <laughs> Black this Rose. way. Yeah, Black Rose gave him the, the you know, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it's Vincent Pastor, um, who's a big pussy on Sopranos, and uh, he's Tony's dad, and he basically tells Tony to, like, knock it off, and Tony leaves the room, and then we get the scene kind of like trick-or-treat style. We get an evil record. Right. The record becomes... It keeps like a, coming on by yeah. itself. It's like an HR uh, 
uh, Giger kind of thing. It's like that, like biomechanical kind of thing. There's like veins growing from the turntable to the speaker, and then he looks at the turntable and he tries to take the needle off, but it's sort of melting. And the record has a Death Records logo, which it's not just being cheeky, like oh Death Records because he's gonna die. It's a, it was actually a label, which you would think that it was the label that released the soundtrack, <laughs> but it is a subsidiary to the label that released the soundtrack because ah. the soundtrack is on Metal Blade Records. Which you have a copy right here. You brought just I, a, I did. You just wanted to, you were just flexing on Hogan and I, showing us how yeah. deep you go in Black Roads. You brought two VHS tapes. Yeah. One with the 3D image, one without. And the regular. Oh. And so what they were probably trying to do was promote their subsidiary label, which has some classic fucking records on it. It has DRIs dealing with it. DRI crossover, the two best mentors records, Up the Dose, and You Axed for it. This Canadian band called Beyond Possession, and the album's called Is Beyond Possession. They're kind of like a manic skate punk band. One of the earliest uh, Corrosion of Conformity records, Animosity. Uh, Cryptic Slaughter was on the Death Records imprint. And this East Coast band I really liked that I found their LP a long time ago called Lost for Words. But if you look on Discogs, they really only put out like eight things. But it was right around the time gold. this movie came out. Yeah. It was like, I think they put out records from like 86 to 89 or something. <laughs> Supposedly they put out some Cannibal Corpse thing, but I couldn't find any proof that that was true. <laughs> I knew you'd bring the metal goods. Knew it. Those are all good records. You probably have all those too, don't you? Yes. Um, <laughs> let me look again and make sure. Yes. <laughs> One I only have on cassette, but I have the rest on vinyl. Oh, man. But uh, but the speaker it, emits a creature. Yes, the creature is awesome. You can definitely tell someone's hands just like in this it's puppet. It's a puppet for it sure. Just, yeah. He does a real good job at pretending oh, he, he is afraid of that it. that thing. And then it sort of like sucks uh, him in. face huggers him. Yeah, grabs his head and starts pulling him towards <laughs> the stereo. The only thing this scene was missing, and I could have swore they were going to cut to it, but I was I thought they were going to show like, you know how they do the nails across like the wooden floor. Oh yeah, he grabs like oh, a yeah. rug. Yeah, and, and I was like, oh here it comes, here it comes, but it never came. And like yeah, he gets sucked in the speaker, which it's just cool. That kill that almost had like a could be like a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of thing too, kind of in a way, right? But that, I thought that was great. Late that was 80s, a great there's moment. no way you're making a horror movie and you're not at least somewhat inspired oh, by yeah. or um, whatever by Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. It's like the most successful franchise of the decade. I oh, think. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Tor- yeah, it's good. That scene. Good. Then after that, it goes to the concert. It usually... Oh, no, this no, no, no. Damn, I want to go to the concert. You no, know, we're, we're almost there. There's one <laughs> scene before. It's Mr. Morehouse in his the scene that Tom Atkins was born to play. Oh, yeah. Mr. Morehouse at his house, cracking open a cold one, <laughs> listening to some classical music. Yeah, yeah. right. Just taking it easy. He Except just... Tom Atkins would have insisted that he's listening to Bad Company. Which like <laughs> this is maybe the one point in the movie where I well shit, I guess we haven't met Priscilla yet. 
I don't, she's right around the corner. It's got to be close because it's a couple notes she's, away. Yeah. She is. She, yeah, she's after Soldier's Night. So she's, this is like, maybe two one part away. where I agree with her, though, because he does have like that photo on the wall. It's weird. That but I thought was maybe like him and his war buddies. No, but, it's like, him, Tony, and Julie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got pictures. Oh, and Frank. Yeah. yeah, it's him. It's him and the three other kids that we focus on. Yeah. It's just yeah. a picture of them, and he like he's drinking a beer, staring at them, all listening to classical music. It's like, this is kind of fucking weird. It's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Morales is maybe a creep. Well, in all the scenes that allude to the idea that there might be some sort of like inner student um, some, teacher some, relationship, there's yeah. a slight hesitation each time, or the times where it's like, uh, stepdad or whatever and you're just like this is all really uncomfortable yeah. this movie has a lot of implied diddling of kids in it yeah <laughs> there's gotta be something I don't know about the director's past but <laughs> well he didn't so, hey, his wife wrote oh it. her past I mean <laughs> yeah Maybe this is autobiographical but now we're ready for the scene you've been wanting to talk about for 30 minutes soldiers of the night I think I that <laughs> most people think of me against the world when they think of this movie. I don't know that that's true. I've never heard anybody say that, but I just think that. And I think that <laughs> Soldiers of the Night is the lost jam off of this one. Um, it was made by the house band Black Roses, of which appears on the soundtrack a couple times. But it's the one track that features a guy called Alex Massey. Alex Ma- Massey. It's M-A-S-I. Massey. Okay. And so it's it's credited as Alex Massey and Black Roses. He had a band that put out two EPs, and they were called Dark Lord, and they were from Italy. And then he moved to California because he was asked by a producer to join a band, which he soon quit, so I didn't even write their name down. But then he put out a solo album that's supposedly good that I haven't checked out, but the name of the album is Attack of the Neon Shark. <laughs> oh, yeah! And I plan on listening to that, like, maybe when I get home. But I lo- I just wanted to mention Alex Massey's Attack of the Neon Shark, because what an album title. That Yeah. That's the title of the album? Mm-hmm. I'm afraid the cover it. won't live up to what I'm seeing in my head. But that, it's a that is an amazing album title. Yes, agreed. And uh, other bands on the soundtrack, just to mention this and get it out of the way, you got Lizzie Borden, of course. Then Hollow Eve has a track. Bango Tango, who sucks. Um, King Cobra, who sucks less, and <laughs> Tempest, who is in the middle there somewhere. Um, but yeah, <laughs> next scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, the, you know During Soldiers of the Night, though, uh, <laughs> the, the cover is disappointing. It is okay. Don't show me. I'll, I won't. I'll, <laughs> hey, yeah. give us a sad noise. So, how's that cover of uh, Alex Massey's Attack of the Neon Shark? Is it pretty cool? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got this new one. I'm excited about. It. I haven't had a chance to use it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to talk about Soldiers of the Night because. I love your whole like uh, that they're weaponizing the the teens and yes. the demons. <clears throat> Literally, he's telling them they're the soldiers of the night. Yes, he's you l- are the ones. Yes, I'm and the, the dark and this lord. Is some of the funniest effects in the movie. This <laughs> is, these are my favorite they're, effects. They're like in playing the, movie. the song. He's like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> boom! They become like the shittiest like rubber like ghouls, and they're still like, yeah. yeah they resemble. Uh, they're still rocking. They out. slightly resemble. Each one of those resembles Tarman from. Uh, return yes. more reigns. I thought I don't know if you noticed the t-shirts and the logos on the sides of the stage, which there is a company that does a shirt of that. I I can't remember who it is, but it's the the logo. Is it the logo of Black that, Roses? Uh, but they kind of look like 
the skull oh, yeah. with the rose in its mouth if you added flesh to it. I I slash um, a mummy. I may know of it, but neglected to mention that earlier. That uh, there's the scene where Johnny is like. Black Rose's rule, and he like has white out, and he's drawing that logo on the back. It's of like his watching shitty denim TV desk. with his dad, <laughs> yeah. who just he's always reading the paper and ignoring him. <laughs> if only there's something he could do about that dad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just so now we get so, so where's after, my dad? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Um, so after uh, that scene, you know, Mr. Morehouse. He, he needs to talk to the mayor. He needs to talk to the mayor about all the shenanigans happening because something's mm-hmm. amiss in the town. He's been at home drinking some cold ones. He knows something's wrong. So he drives all the way over to the mayor's place. And on his drive over there, he sees all the people in town like beating each other up in the streets and shit. Yeah. Um, just like kicking each other in the guts and stuff. General tomfoolery. Yeah. Um, and he gets there and that's when you finally meet his ex- Played by Carla Frigno, the much hated by Hogan, Priscilla. My note I found it says Priscilla is a major bitch, is what it says right, <laughs> yeah. right there. Um, that was just Our like. Our notes are almost identical. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think anyone would watch that scene and be like, oh, you know what? She has a point. Like, yeah, teaching my, people the alphabet is, this is pretty a, this stupid. This is a small thing, and maybe it's just annoying for me, like production wise, but that house is really blue. Sure. Like, <laughs> I'd have to look back on it because I was eating Apple Jacks, like I said. <laughs> it was a very large, large bowl. It's almost the whole box. Um, yeah, I didn't even... I disliked her so much, I didn't even make a note of her character's name. I just wrote mostly about her being married to Lou Frigno. But I did write that the scene ends... <laughs> she Apparently they used to date, and she berates him for becoming a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Morales gives his big dramatic scene for the Academy's consideration. He's the whole, like... And now you got me here in some kind of tangent about why I became a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> like, that scene's amazing. I wrote yeah. down the, I'm going home. Or maybe to a bar. <laughs> yeah. And See, then again, she Tom slams Atkins. the door, and the mayor yells down, Honey, who's with you down there? And she's like, Nobody. <laughs> oh, that's the other note I have here that I thought was weird. Um is that she's supposedly the mayor's daughter, but she's old enough to be the mayor's wife. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, this is real strange. Uh, then Johnny is home from night to a rockin', and that's when a he demon walks in woman do, comes in. throwing shapes. Oh, yeah, He's dude. fucking like, going for it, twirling around. His dad doesn't even know. He's like, is that you? He doesn't respond. Goes into his room. He goes in his room, gets butt naked, and gets in bed. And then a girl comes in who I, I was thinking was Julie. First he sparks up a cool smoke. Yeah, well, that's why I counted that there was three different people that played her boobs. I thought this was the first time, but maybe it wasn't her. It could have, it, in retrospect, it could have very well been the bass player. Well, there's four boobs. sets of boobs in this. It was very but, but dark. But three of them I, I thought were supposed to be Julie's. Okay. I thought this was Julie because there's the chemistry between Julie and Johnny, and we've had the scenes with them. Right. So that's why, and then later on, you know, like he's hanging out with, I don't know. Anyways, some girl comes in. We don't know who they are. And they definitely do some freaky deaky demon sex with Johnny. <laughs> yes. And that's what turns him. Somehow he wasn't affected by being becoming a weird tar man mummy. But <laughs> after leaving the concert, someone approached him in his room to sex him into it, as it were. And then he goes downstairs to talk to his dad. It's Eric Coe with an scene, but we can just go right to it. He goes downstairs and he's like, I love you, daddy. He's like, hey, dad. He's- 
And he just blows his dad's brains out with yeah. a gun. It's so unexpected and absolutely bonkers. He's yeah, also wearing gloves, which I thought was, that was kind of strange. Right, he was prepared for murder. He should have been naked besides the gloves. Because <laughs> then just the gloves. Hollywood could never have forgotten that scene. <laughs> this is the point um, where I feel like the movie suddenly interesting characters that we have not met at all where it's like did they cut scenes out of kids because i was really confused like the little kid in the hulk shirt so with the scare glove yes yes (laughs) i haven't know that relevant to the show the fright zone there's a he-man toy in this movie um probably the most sought after and coolest oh man i want that new one so bad um but so that guy so this is what i I, that kid that that uh the dad with mustache in that scene and that kid that is Mr. Miller. That's the Nancy Reagan-looking, the girl from Christian Black Lagoon's husband and her oh, kid. Oh, okay. Again, they don't really establish that at all. Because Mrs. Miller's dead by now, right? I don't... Or not yet. No, th- she's yeah. still alive. She's still alive. Okay. Um. So, yeah, so this is supposed to be <laughs> her husband and their kid. And um. so he's... Like but Black Roses is playing on the stereo, and it's making this kid kind of evil. He's playing with Scareglow, and he has two Kenner superpowers toys. And he throws those superpowers toys right in the fire, but keeps the bad guy, Scareglow, around because he's being subtly influenced by the Black Rose. And he says, Start him young. After he, his dad notices that he threw Batman and Aquaman into the fire, he says, They were bad. Talking <laughs> about the good guys that he threw into the fire. Yeah. And then uh, Mr. Miller's daughter, Janie, gets home from the show with her friend, Tina. Who, uh, who then, I thought was Julie, by the way. Again, that's yeah, that's, that's the same thing. They look the exact same. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's a, it's a whole other character with a J that looks similar that we haven't been introduced to, so it makes it very confusing. Uh, Janie. But G- Janie's friend Tina uh, stays up with Mr. Miller, and they play strip gin. Which he's like, I know the rules to strip gin. Again, way <laughs> too eager yeah. Yeah. You know, to like be okay with that. You there's, win the prize. Shit, now that you're saying it, <laughs> fuck, there's a lot of people in this movie. Mr. Morehouse, this dude that we're talking about. Mr. Miller. Yeah, and then Julie's stepdad. Yep, Julie's stepdad. That dude's a fucking creeper, too. Uh, yeah. I got a note about him that <laughs> might surprise you. Hmm. Is he in prison? Uh, <laughs> so Tina gets her boobs out. That's one of the sets of boobs. That's not Julie. It's Tina's boobs. Okay. And it's actually Tina. It's not some stunt boobs. Tina's boobs are the They're strip gin boobs. Strip boobs. Strip boobs. Strip okay. gin boobs. And uh, and then she like, we don't even get to see the kill. She obviously kills shit, gets on top of him, and he's like, ooh! Bad It's ticker. like she kind of vampires him, it looks like. Can you, sh- but, can like, you they show us show even a... her pull up with some blood in her mouth or something? Yeah. Come on. No, I think he has a heart attack, doesn't he? That's what they say. Yeah. It was a demonic. Yeah. There was some demonic stuff happening, though. Okay. I mean, come on. Whatever. That'd be great. The demon didn't get the satisfaction of killing. Just overexcited grandpa. Uh, Too much blood flew and fly into his wiener. (laughs) Yeah, because this whole scene is just like kill after kill. Because then after this, we go to Tony's house. And Tony's mom's like, Tony, were you out that show again? Who could also probably be his sister. Yeah. But they just put some curlers in her hair and threw one of those like old lady. Curlers in a robe. Robe things on the pink kind of slightly crocheted things. And it just shows her go down. Yeah. I don't know why she's outside like, taking out the trash in her robe or something. But Tony's yeah. basically like, fuck it. And he backs up and just rams her and she goes flying. Much like the guy that Tony flew through the uh, threw through the air too yeah. earlier. Tony's yeah. got some distance in him. Then we go to the another classroom scene, and this is when uh, he tried to get them to get back on the poetry train, 
Right. And Julie's all like, at this point, they're completely they're, taken over. Oh, yeah. Fully so the, weaponized. The girl says, <laughs> "Why are we listen, or why are we learning about all of these dead poets when there's a real life yeah, yeah. poet?" Right here, right now. Damien. 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 Um, and Mr. Morehouse all Mr. scared runs Mr. Morehouse is fucking mortified. <laughs> They're not about to rap chat with him. Yeah. Then he, like, fucking leaves right from class. He just bails on class and goes to talk to the mayor. Yeah. And the mayor's, like, not concerned at all. Which is where they... Uh, yeah, he calls the mayor and he says... He's like, what's wrong? He says, bad kids, bad music, bad news. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the tagline for this movie. Yeah, totally. And then the guidance counselor. Yeah, that's Janie Miller again. Yeah. So Janie's so upset that her dad died of a heart attack, when in reality the heart attack was brought on by her demonic friend Tina, playing strip gin with her dad. And he, he she says to him, she's or he's oh, trying yeah. to be cool, and he's kind of like flipping through this book behind him. And uh, she gives the idea that, like, maybe I could open a window and scream. Maybe that would help me. And he's like, oh, that, that's a very constructive idea. Like, why don't we try that? And he, he walks over to the window, opens it up. He's like, I really like your idea. And it shows her turn into one of those creatures. But it's actually like some of the best makeup in the movie. You only see it for a second. And then she shoves him out of the window, and he lands in the back of a pickup truck. And she lands, or she sticks her head out the window and just says, like, nice scream. <laughs> yeah, <he's> like, yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. That scene is good. I like that he also seems like the most inept counselor ever because it seems like he's never counseled before. Because like when she's like, well, "What if I scream?" He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good idea." Yeah, he's like, "Nothing's ever happens in Mills Basin, you know. He does. He's never had to do any of this counseling because everyone's been a good kid. Yeah. before the Black Roses came to town. It's like being the like the cop that works in the town where nothing happens, and all of a sudden there's like a triple homicide. You know, like the one in remote control. Then Mr. Morehouse is like just hanging out in the library. What do you exactly is researching the library? I'm not sure. I think maybe some demonic stuff. The occult. Yeah. He just there reading books real hard and Julie shows up with Johnny. Yeah. Which again, why I thought Johnny banged. Who's like mysteriously in the background like her pimp as she hits on him. (laughs) What's up, Mr. Morehouse? Go to that show again. You going with Johnny? Like, I don't like Johnny. But yeah, she comes up and yeah, he's like, I'm going to the concert again. Oh, this is the scene where she's like, his music, every night I find something different. And it's like, there's a song written just for me. Yeah. (laughs) And she likens it to him reading a book over and over again. I don't remember which book. Tale of Two Cities or something. Like, you've read Tale of Two Cities a hundred times. It's the same thing with heavy metal. At this night of the concert, at the show, that's my favorite line movie when he's like, let's make Blood City. Yeah. That is awesome. He has the sweet white contacts in and stuff. And this is when they get into the voice modulation again. Yes. (laughs) You know, to refer back to 976 Evil. (laughs) But in this one, again, they tastefully, like, they waited a while and then it's sort of like they're doing it as a part of the transformation. Yeah, it's great. But that line I just thought was awesome. Let's make Blood City. You're the flowers of evil. <laughs> At one point is said. This that That's about the point in the movie where I feel like they could have uh, brought back the sweet monsters from the opening yeah. scene. Except they weren't made yet. We just, you know, <laughs> now we know that. But it's like, I've always re- wondered why they changed the look. Oh, yeah. That's, you know. Uh and then after the Let's Make Blood City, we get an- another pair of Julie boobs. The and boobs she- by candlelight. Yes, this, is my this note a, says Julie plays massage? with her boobs 
forever. <laughs> the, the extremely cold <laughs> breast massage. Gratuitous boob adjustments. Yeah, it just rubs them forever. I think that's what girls do. It is, right? I don't know. I, <laughs> and this is this is the creepy stepdad scene yeah. where she goes out and he's he's crushing another beer. Earlier, he's crushing a beer, and if it's the same timeline as the rest of it, it's like eight in the morning. Yeah, dude, yeah. it is. That earlier she's scene? on her way to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's like, yeah. where's mom? He's like, your mom's working a double yeah, or something. Oh, yeah, I don't says, get any complaints from her. <laughs> <laughs> Works every well, time. That's, yeah, and so she rubs her boobs forever, because that's what a demon has to do to truly get the most out of their weaponization of the demonic power. She's weaponizing them. And then she goes, and... She starts rubbing him. He's like, oh, yeah, you really know how to take care of your good old stepdad. <laughs> yeah. Before she grabs one of those classically large and comical ashtrays that people used to have in the uh, late 70s. I, I, my note says uh, she grabs the mortar bowl because apparently her stepdad was <laughs> making guacamole in the living room. <laughs> it's easily that big. But um, the, 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 Oh, the facts I'm telling you about the stepdad, he's Paul Kellerman. He's like the lead in My Bloody Valentine. Oh no shit! He's one of the like main guys in that movie. I just I didn't know he was so such a creep. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean you might be you might be a raging alcoholic stepdad too if you know you survived the massacre yeah, the, on the Val- nightmare yeah. of that whole thing. I mean, he's... this is what seven eight years later. Yeah, this is a, yeah this is a, yeah. <laughs> you had to live My Blood Valentine's actually just a prequel to Black Roses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, his, it's his real life. I mean, he might have been drinking Moosehead. I'll go back and examine the scene again. He was drinking Budweiser in the first scene, and the second scene, it was a white-labeled can that looked like it was a Budweiser can Beer. covered up yeah, just, just black with a label. white label, yeah, because they probably realized in that first scene, someone along the way was like, hey, you know, you can't just like have that product in there, oh, but they shit, didn't really? fix that Wait, how do we make a movie? So they just covered it up. Yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, also, yeah, you've yeah. had no film in these cameras. <laughs> if you ever have a question of in a movie we watched of what beer someone was drinking, that's something I always retain for whatever reason, because... I'm always trying to see if it's a hams. I do sometimes. sometimes. That's why I said maybe he's drinking moosehead, because in My Blade Valentine, they're drinking moosehead. Oh, <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> it was in shot in Canada. Canada. Yeah. yeah. Just like this movie. In the opening scene, not the opening scene, but in the scene where they are doing the first town meeting, there are two crossed flags. One is an American flag, and one is a Canadian flag. This was shot in Hamilton, Ontario. Oh. After she ices her stepdad, we cut the Mr. Morehouse who wakes up hungover from studying and drinking in the library. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was great. <clears throat> Again, Tom Atkins. Yeah, so, that's what he would have done. Uh, On his and day then off. we cut back to Julie who kills Priscilla which Hogan was so excited about after Priscilla got done playing some tennis. I'm convinced this I'm convinced the only reason this is in here is so they could give that dude who plays the mayor, who has the most impressive IMDb page out of anybody in this movie, oh. the most dramatic scene in the entire thing. The phone call? The phone call. Yeah. When he's like, he killed my little girl. That might that kill... And when... he doesn't say anything to comfort him. He just <laughs> drops the phone. Yeah. Well... Oh, uh, that kill might be the most gnarly kill in the movie, though. When she fucking slits her throat, yeah. like yeah. it looks intense. It's, it's a like, slasher Psh. flick. Style. It's good, yeah. 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 But she's like, "Oh, you're one of his kids, the teacher's pet." Yeah, she's not even like concerned that she's like just Why in her car. Is she yeah. in my car. I'm like, "What the fuck? Get the fuck out of my car! Who? What are you doing?" You like, think she'd be like, "Oh, you're one of the kids in the picture on the wall that my boyfriend oh, drinks next to." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you're that. I actually, because of horror movies, I made a note of this. I've I can't remember the last time I got into a car and did not look in the back. 
back seat. <laughs> I always check the back seat whether my car's locked or not. It's just a thing I do. Because I've Note seen way to too self, many hide people under Nate's car. Yeah, I don't check that. <laughs> I don't have I don't have knee pads on. <laughs> and then after she ices Priscilla, where do you you want you want to vent on how excited you were about her death? Because I know you hated that character. Hogan. No, I have something else I'm excited to talk about. Are we talking about the next scene? Uh, maybe. Because the next scene is pretty as great. She, as she as Julie heads to Mister Morehouse's, oh, yeah. is, is it an apartment or house or? Whatever. Who knows? There's one frame photo. <laughs> His parents' time. basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she goes over there, and uh, she wants to seduce him. She's I like, Priscilla's gone. Everything. It's time for you and me. And uh, he's not having any of it. They do kiss Wild. for a moment. And then she tries to go downtown. He does slap her in the mouth <laughs> right before she turns into the demon. And then there's this strange transformation sequence where it's like she starts to glow and her, you know, it's like her fingers start growing and stuff. I kind of wondered when I was watching it if they were doing the lights to kind of cover up the fact that it didn't look very good. And then wouldn't you know it, her only weakness is a tennis racket. There's tennis ball. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. What do you put the tennis ball on her throat? Yeah. The scene was very very evil dead. Very, 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 very poor man's evil dead. Yeah. These are probably the what, the third variant of breasts, at least, or second, depending on yeah. if that girl in the room was or was not her. He crams the steak or whatever into her heart. Um, just like, don't turn back into a teenager. Like, this is going to look really bad. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, there's like a naked... Like, there's going to be like Evil Ed and Fright Night. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Just shrivels back up, and then you just have like this dead teenager whose clothes are scattered from the front door to the kitchen, and then she has a stake driven through her heart. After that's when he goes and he buys a shit ton of gasoline, because yep. it's time to burn down the theater. Which I also which thought he was buying the dynamite school. at the gas station. Yeah, right. <laughs> Until later, and I was like, oh, thank God. That's how yeah. they do it in Mills Basin, dude. <laughs> I'm sure you can buy plutonium in every corner store. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice Back to the Future reference. Yeah. And the uh, the idea that he has is to, that, like, I guess he wouldn't, well, no, he would know that they're demons based on what just occurred. Yeah. The idea that he thinks he's going to destroy these demons by lighting them on fire. I don't know a lot about demonology and such, but if they are truly from hell, uh, I think they're used to the fire. Yeah. Like, things make it more like home in here. Yeah, it's cozy um, and shit. I don't know why the demon suddenly Rodney Dangerfield, but <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> maybe he was. Maybe he was the Toho monster. Yeah, maybe. It could have been. The build was comparable. Uh, but yeah, I love that he... The best part of the brain, too, is he... There's, it's like he hasn't thought it through. Like, I feel like you're watching his plan in real time. He's like, I guess I'm going to buy gasoline and go to school and just burn it down. Like, like they're all playing. Wouldn't you possibly murder all the kids, too? Oh, yeah. He, like, but he doesn't try to sneak in. He just yeah. walks in the crowd while they're all jamming, like, never mind me with all this gasoline, kids. <laughs> and just like. Well, they're not even playing at that point. At that point, it's oh, just, just Damien holding his hands out, doing the voice modulation, going, like, You're all my children. <laughs> you are the children of the night. Soldiers of the night. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, we'll take this world and all this. And he and, sneaks and up on back the side too. stage. Unless yes. it's another girl that looks like Julia yeah. or Janie, but she's there too, and it's like, what's going on? Hanging Didn't he just stake him. her? Or did he not stake her and it was a demon that looked like Julia? I but don't know. But then she looks terrified when the transformation happens. Yeah. So it's oh, like, right before that, she's rubbing Damien's nips. Yeah. I had a note of that. How Julia she, rubs Damien's nips. there, by the way? Don't know. Is that important? Was that, it a dream? Was I thought she? I thought he just killed her. So it's like I'm just really confused. I have, you know, I think the idea that it was maybe just a demon disguised as Julie makes more sense. But 
Why would she know all that stuff? Exactly. Or they he just didn't. You can't really kill a demon by the wooden stake. They are forever. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So that this leads up to the scene you were talking about that you want to mention, where Carmine's holding Mister Morehouse back. Yeah. Right. Hey. <laughs> Hey guys, <laughs> I feel like he just can't believe he's in the movie. Like, this, this is, is going to be awesome. on TV or what? Or is this going to the theaters? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody tell me. Because what? What? So okay. So metal wise, what that? What's that dude's background? Because he's kind of like a big deal, right? Um, he was Ronnie James Dio's solo drummer. He also played on some Black Sabbath stuff. Okay. Specifically, it was when they were called Heaven and Hell. Okay. Um, I mean, he was he was on. Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules, um, as opposed to Bill Ward. You know, Bill Ward was in the original lineup of Sabbath. And then, yeah, he did all the Dio solo stuff. And then when they started, when they got back together, and it was Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler, Ronnie James, Dio. When I saw him live, Car- Carmen or Carmine was mm-hmm. the drummer. And they put out a couple albums and an EP like that. I don't know if he did anything other than those projects, but he ha- I'm sure... Probably nothing that made him as excited as he was to be in that specific scene <laughs> yeah, Black that Rose, moment. though. Yeah. He has the biggest grin on his face. Yeah, he's stoked. Um, but a lot, because then they're, he's holding back, and then Damien becomes the most terrifying form he could possibly become. The Toho Monster. The Toho <laughs> Turtle Man. fucking out of a Godzilla movie. So if you took Gamera, removed the shell, and made it shorter, and oh the my arms gosh. longer. It's insane <laughs> how silly it is. So I watched this with Stella, and she pointed out that Damien's true form looks like a hairless Ludo from the Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. Oh. Which makes him, I, I put, I think he would be more effective at fighting uh Mr. Morehouse, just as regular Damien. <laughs> it would have been more yeah. exciting. Or, but, or the, well, the mid right before that, yeah, when he pulls off his wig and he's like a creepy bald demon for a minute. It's like, hey, that's there. scarier. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was really weird. It, that that the other, monster's bizarre. The monster looks like you could tabletop him, and that would be the end yeah. of the fight. Oh, yeah, definitely top him. Well, he, yeah. he, he, he uh, monster squad selves, kicks him in the nards. Kicks yep. the demon in the nards, yeah. dude. And it's like, Arr! I have yeah. that. Damien's got nards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but he does have his his line that, again, could have been Tom Atkins read it. Show's over. <laughs> and then he lights him on fire. But what I love is, well, I love that after he lights him on fire, my note says, <laughs> the band loves the playing fire because they just start rocking and they rolling in the fire, the and like the monsters back up and like dancing. Yeah, as you said, they they're gonna enjoy it. It made them feel more at home. Right, they yeah. were excited <laughs> that Mr. Morales did this that. This is for what them. we've always wanted. <laughs> but as soon as the stage catches fire, all the teenagers all of a sudden snap out of their trance. But before that, he grabs fake Julie or Julie, whichever Julie it is. And he chucks her face first off the stage. Did yeah. you notice that? We just yeah, like, yeah. like she would have been really hurt. Um, I'm assuming there was a mattress there in real life, but like he's not casual House, about it yeah. at all. He just chucks her off the stage to to help her. And then yeah, the band starts playing uh, "Me Against the World" again. You know, oh. again, and uh, they all I run guess. outside the school, and then. Again, because we know Tony, Tony is the special is effects guy. This is Tony's third so, act. So Tony yeah. is like, don't worry. I'm the effects guy. I'm going to do the burn. And he runs out his arm on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah! 
He probably has at least one scar from this movie <laughs> <I love laughs> that he it. looks at every time he takes a shower. Oh, man. And well, they come running out, and um, what's his face? Johnny. That just cuts yeah. to him, and he's like, where's my where's dad? My dad? <laughs> he has a weird, like, <laughs> giant black vein on his face. Yeah. See, I would have thought he would be the most transformed. Like, usually these movies have some sort of, like, hoax-ish type character that, like, instead of the leader dying, they get it. And he was a prime candidate for that, but they well, just they, didn't really do yeah, that. Yeah, they always, like, redeem themselves in some way, and you always feel bad for them, but they're too far gone, ultimately. Yeah. It's like they did do it with Julie, and then they changed their mind. Yeah. Or something. Or they shot that end scene first and just forgot when they were editing. <laughs> That's not impossible. Well, then, well, then we <laughs> get the like ending happens. to the movie. That's strange. Like, you're led to believe they've defeated these the Black Roses. And then it cuts ahead to the future where the mayor Matt and, and the, the mayor apparently are roommates and they they're live together and they're crushing just, a couple brews. They're pounding high lights <laughs> and smoking cigars. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, like, you know. Uh, so so maybe he was never into the mayor's daughter. Well, he was into the mayor all along. It's this weird. <laughs> yes. Um, he really needed a place because his parents kicked him out. After um, he burned down the school after, and lost yeah, yeah, his and, job. And after they found the dead teenager stabbed in the kitchen. They did help him cover up the But the, the mayor body. helped him get off on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he's like, you know what? We should be roommates. He's like, yeah, I've got all this space because my daughter died too. And so he's filling the void of the daughter being gone. So, you know, at night he dresses up like Priscilla for the mayor. <laughs> and then they're watching TV so, together. Yeah, they're living like the odd couple smoking stogies, <laughs> smashing high lifes. And they're and then on the TV, it's like announcing the Black Roses are going to be doing a stint in Madison Square Garden. Five sold out shows. And it's very weird because, again, I thought they were dead. So um, I know you guys both gave this four stars. So like, True metal never dies. Yeah. <laughs> Death the false metal. Um. Well, the part about this that's weird is well, the ending supposed real to be bad. a soft open, right? Yeah, in 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 the town. But now we're like at the point where we're playing Madison Square Garden, and it's presumably what like a week later. Yeah, and it's, it's also like it. I mean, I know it's just a goofy horror movie, yes, but it's also like, well, what happened after the school burning? <laughs> How did they get to this point? How'd they explain all that? Like suddenly, Black Roses are back, and no one knew about Wouldn't it. Wouldn't it have been in the news that Black Roses came to town, and this happened, and in like and turned kids into a cult, and you know, or something? So, few things. The opening scene that has the best special effects in the movie. Um. I would not if if I made this movie, I would have made that the fucking ending. Make it somehow seem like it's obviously not Mad Square Garden, but that would have been a more exciting ending. If you had that, like, oh, they're well, back. Didn't have to. And then you cut them playing, and they look fucking awesome and demonic, and yeah. that's the ending. And you're like, whoa! Like, that would mean they transformed further, yeah. became further, and then maybe show the whole crowd is all transformed. Yeah. yeah. And then it's going to be how many people fit in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Like, I've, I've looked that up before. I didn't look it up for this for some reason, but it's 500,000. I mean, yeah. I know it was, it was Hogan's first time. This is one of those movies that might as well be my first time because like I haven't seen it since like seventh or eighth grade, so it's like it's so fucking new to see it again. And I, I don't know that opening scene was so good that I was let down by how much worse the effects were the the rest of the film because the whole time I was waiting for them to get back to that again. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like this part, I get to. I, I felt the film just felt disjointed. Like twenty thousand seven hundred and eighty nine people can fit in Madison. That's Square. a whole lot of black roses. <laughs> so five nights in a row. I mean, if it's like the that's a lot of weapon earlier part of the movie, it's the same people every night getting progressively 
possessed. It's mm-hmm. not going to be 20,000 people each night. But who knows? A lot of Maybe with more speakers and more power, they can do it quicker. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. But yeah, I grab for Rocktober Blood or Trick or Treat when I grab for a movie like this. But Black Rose. Then Shock'em Dead's my third. It's close. I love Shock'em Dead. I need to rewatch that again, too. But that has a much more shot on video feel, which is not an insult. I would just... love to watch Shock'em Dead in 2021. It's one of our movies. I think that movie's awesome. Yeah. I'm a virgin girl. <laughs> I wait till I'm married. I'm a virgin girl. I don't go down on my knees. It's so <laughs> incredible. <laughs> you made that song? I do. It's been a while. Oh, like, man. Yeah. <laughs> the movie's really funny. I used to watch it a couple times a year for, I don't know, a good decade or so, and then I just kind of fell off on it. It's super funny. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, and I'm not shit on Black Roses. I know a lot of people really love this me. I'm not shit on it. It's just like... I'm I'm more time I'm more because I'm just shocked that you both gave it a four. I'm genuinely surprised. I don't know. The reason I did is like you said, watchability. Like yeah. I could watch this anytime. Honestly, I'd watch it when I get home. I'm not <laughs> going to. I'm just saying, like it, it would not be something I would turn off or fall asleep. Oh, yeah. I don't know. One thing, like, and this isn't to like get nitpicky on like production because mm-hmm. it's not. But like, there's a difference between it, like being low budget and like having continuity errors that you can kind of like goof on. But yeah. like when it comes to something that's like really just a huge fuck up in editing you know it seems it always seems like really really strange to me and the ending of this felt like the ending it was like you know the fucking last minute and somebody had a gun to this dude's head they're like finish the fucking movie we're out of money yeah and and then it just like ends with the with like the newscaster and And then this awkward of damien's face for like 40 seconds evil and like, and they could only get those two dudes because they were actually roommates <laughs> to film that final scene. Right. Everyone else had gone home. So I don't know. It's just like, it's super, super strange. That part. The ending is really weird. It, the movie just putters out, kind of. But my favorite part, as I was going to say, and I wasn't joking about it, is the credits. Because you do get that, like, you could tell it's like, yes, there's a bit of a budget, but it's also kind of a passion project. Because they thank the drama students from Lincoln High, <laughs> Westdale High, and they also thank Ray's Texaco. <laughs> Thanks for letting us have Mr. Morales pull up to your parking lot and buy gas. <laughs> yep. Another cheap way they could have ended it is find a venue not unlike, because if you watch Rocked Over Blood, there's definitely, it's just like they're cutting footage of like a crowd from an actual sorcery show, yeah. which is the band that did the music in that. And then they're showing them on a, it's just a soundstage. <clears throat> there's no crowd. So they could have shown a crowd at Madison Square Garden and then edited like the Black Roses backdrop yeah. and just had the fade up be Damien, Damien, Damien yeah. while the they're like not they don't even need to come out. Yeah. It's like the crowd's ready and yeah. it's about to happen. Oh yeah. There's a lot of ways. I can to think of like a few more. Give or me a minute. Just use the <laughs> opening scene as the ending. Yeah, or that. That'd be an amazing ending. Use the thing you actually already have. Oh, I would like it, seriously. It would change my whole vibe of the whole movie because I'd be like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Like you guys open with them just going to school, talking about them the band coming in town. I don't know. Yeah, now, yeah. You could have cut that, put it at the end. Those left, effects left, left really the part are of the fucking weirdo peeking, you know, peeping through the doors. Yeah. Know, so you don't know what's in there, you know. Yeah. I can't go back on it because I do feel this way, but I, you know, I did like that you see the monsters at the beginning, but they could have just like flipped those scenes somehow or they could have done something. It really got in my head, guys. Yeah. I love those monsters (laughs) so much. I was so let down. They never appeared again. Yeah. I'm just, I feel like I'm just shaming this movie, but I really did actually like it a lot. You're not going to be able to pick this up on the microphone, but this is also, is it the A-team?
So I'm watching this with Stella, and she's like, "Man, this is like an adventure song. Like, yeah. is, it, is the film gonna change? Is, is that, like, is that <laughs> no? When's that music at? It's right. whenever that, he, when whenever he gets into in his the... car. He's like, "Where's Julie?" And she's like, "I don't know." And then he gets into his car, and peels off. Yeah, they do it oh, there. Oh, the crane shot. Yeah, where he like spins out and the, yeah. the, 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 they play it twice. Awesome. They play it twice in two different parts. Yeah, dude, he drives off like he's in the like he's like the Dukes. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. But I feel like they dropped that that music in there just in case we didn't know that he was the good guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's the highest rated fright uh, of our show so far. I mean, with that said, any of the ones we've done, I'd watch anytime too. So it's not. There's few horror movies I would never watch at all. Really, I mean, there are bad horror movies, but like that's that's why the genre is so cool. Is like even when they're bad, they're good. Sure, I don't know. Like you said in the first episode, that like if you want to rewatch it, it can't truly really be a bad movie, you yeah. know. Like, I think you're talking about Troll Two. I, I use that because it's the most well-known terrible movie, but it just depends on like your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, I was gonna read after our last episode. Got some correspondence from the director of Remote Control, Mr. Jeff Lieberman. Nice. And thought we should probably read it uh, on this episode for people. Um, so, the here director we go. of Remote Control. Yeah. So, if you listen to our third episode, we uh, watched the movie Remote Control, instructed by Jeff Lieberman, who uh, sent. Um, well, I'd sent him a message on Facebook like, "Hey, really like your work. Uh, friends, I have a horror podcast. And we talked about your movie Remote Control. I just yeah. bought it from your website. Check it out." And he sent a message. Hey, man. I listened to the podcast. Love the freewheeling sort of Beavis and Butthead riffing. So apparently we. (laughs) Um, I think that's his casual way of saying we're idiots. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) But you guys missed out on why Artie the cop was able to ID Cosmo and Georgie so easily. It had nothing to do with the woman seeing them. It was right there in Artie's dialogue or the cops. I'm not sure. Which he wrote. He wrote that. (laughs) You missed it, sir. (laughs) We found your wallet on the front lawn. As soon as you said that, I was like, I'm so ashamed. His ID fell out. Uh, They said, which Kevin dropped jumping the wall. And by Kevin, of course, he means K Dill. Yeah. So there. I demand a retraction. And then all caps, he wrote, kidding. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, it's fun to hear guys talking about shit I did before they were born. I'm guessing. And then he put an emoji wink face. And I sent him a response back like, oh, awesome, man. Thanks for listening. Just... And we were born. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I saw that movie when I was eight and it was two years old. He he, <laughs> uh, he went on. Um, I, yeah, I sent a message back like, hey, you're, you know, definitely love your work, blah, blah. And, yeah. I, and I was like, you know, you had 17 year gap between remote control and Satan's little helper. And we're coming up on 17 years since Satan's little helper. So. Hopefully Grace with another horror movie, you know, thanks, whatever. And he said, that's funny how that works. People only know me for one thing, but at least they know me for something. During the 17-year gap between those films, I made three feature-length documentaries for HBO and Showtime, one of which won an Emmy. He didn't tell me what these were. He just said he made these. (laughs) Yeah. And he said he wrote screenplays for every major studio, including The NeverEnding Story Part 3. And then he wrote, which sucked big time, but I made a fortune. (laughs) Um, I've I'm, never even seen part two. Atrial! You only it's, need part one. It's on my to-watch list because it's on something that I got. 
Um, and he said, and since Satan's little helper, I made a series with John Waters. But fans of my drawing work think if I'm not making horror films, I must be dead because nobody reads the credits and all that other stuff. But hey, I don't blame them because neither do I. <laughs> so that's so that's kind of cool, though. Yeah. I don't know. thought I should probably read that. For sure. Uh, we have T-shirts now. You can order them from uh, Media Crypt or you can go to thefrightzone.com. There's a direct link there. Um, and we've recouped our costs. So at this point, it will actually become almost like a Patreon so yeah. the money that comes in from the shirts will go to help the podcast grow. And if you want to sponsor us, you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have stickers, too, uh, which we just got in like this week. So if you order a T-shirt, we'll throw a sticker in for you. Uh, Nate, you got anything <laughs> cool come up with me? You want to plug? Uh, there's going to be a big Black Friday sale. Uh, it'll be 30% off the whole store including the hoodies, crews, hats. I'm running really low on the stocking caps. Um, and then I'm talking to Slasher Dave about a new design that will be a seasonal film. Um, that's all I'm going to say. But it's going to have a long sleeve, short sleeve, and hat option. And then I'm going to bring back one that I've already done, but change it in a way, and then do one that's more just like video company related. So there's going to be like three custom designs for Black Friday. Nice. Are we going to have Fright Zone shirts and sell on Black Friday? Yeah. 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 Yeah, there you go, y'all. Uh, anything fun going in your going on at the Franklin Plaza Barbershop that you uh, run, Mr. Hogan? I have lots of hair splinters. <laughs> Is that a thing? That's a real thing. Like it goes in your skin? In your skin, underneath your fingernails. It's real bad. Yeah. Gross. Yep. <laughs> I, 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 he said that, and Nate and I were both grimacing. <laughs> That's bad. Uh. <clears throat> Go buy some yard bags. <laughs> <laughs> Get those leaves out of there. Uh, well, we'll have um, another episode this month, so uh, check back. As always, like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, check out thefrightzone.com if you're on Instagram at FrightZone Podcast. Stay spooky. Stay heavy. Stay heavy.